hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris, and this week I'm looking for a book about Arizona. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Litheads, is it, you asked for it. We listened. Finally. for years. Is it Arizona's birthday? Nope. Is it the date that Arizona got its independence? Nope. Is it the, the date that I, somebody had once gone to Arizona and we're commemorating that? No. No, it is just, it is here by popular demand. Oh, also it's it birthday. Is, it is the birthday. <laughs> oh, it, it is. is the birthday. Do we know? <laughs> yes, this is, do we know what we're doing on this show? No. Tell me our two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, Nick. Hi, Ian. Hi, Lidheads. My name is Joseph Harvey Holshue. I am a high school English teacher. I don't think I've ever been to Arizona. All my right, grandma good start. snowbirded there. My grandma would snowbird to Arizona every winter. Um, Lidheads, if you are not from Wisconsin, this is the phenomenon where all the old people just leave in the winter. Uh, I've never <laughs> been there. I, it, I read a book about it. I read Riders of the Purple Sage by Zane Gray. Good morning, scholars. Good afternoon. Nick, and good evening, Joe. This week, my name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. I live in the American Southwest, but just barely. Uh, I've been to Arizona a whole bunch, and I'm super wow. excited this to... this guy's qualified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I guess I could say I know what I'm talking about. This week, I'm super excited to talk about Arizona. This week, I brought a piece of pioneering eco-saboteur fiction, uh, Edward Abbey's The Monkey Wrench Gang. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs> how old is Arizona? You seem to have all the information. Uh, it's 100 plus. 100 plus? 100 plus, yeah. It's 112 years old. Get the walkers out. Happy birthday, Arizona. Yep. Um, Arizona has one of the best state flags. I think we should just say that. Oh, let's mm-hmm. talk about that. It's a pretty good state flag. Um, there, there are it. two kinds. Make a word, make a word salad. Um, half, half of the field, the lower half of the field is blue. Mm-hmm. The um, upper half of the field is alternating rays of red and yellow oh and wow. in the middle there is an, there is an orange star and i don't love the orange star i think that's kind of stupid mm-hmm. but there are two kinds ladies and gentlemen and leadheads there are, there are two kinds of flags what shade of blue two kinds of uh i would say mm, ooh, somewhere between navy and royal maybe navy it's mm-hmm. maybe a navy blue is it supposed to be water uh, I think it's supposed to be like land, like, like blue land, um, blue land. twilight, twilight mesas. It's like, okay, because Arizona is landlocked, right? Yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of water in Arizona, but for the most part, it's been sold. They pretty to, much have um, no water, right? That must be land. Companies from <laughs> other countries. Yes, yes. One of the sad things about Arizona is that they said, "What's that, Saudi corporations? What's that, Chinese corporations? You'd like our water rights? Of course." I don't know what you're talking about. Is that a thing? Uh, this is there's a there's a huge water shortage, largely in the phoenix metro area but kind of throughout the state and part of part of the reason for this is that um large corporations oftentimes construction or mining corporations but also just sort of those those vague vague multinational corporations that exist nowadays oftentimes from other countries china and saudi arabia and are using them for other things or are not releasing them so they should have the lorax i feel like this is like lorax adjacent like it sounds like a real Wunzler attitude 
Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, as we call it, strongly podcast, where every week we pick a theme, and Joe and Ian, two high school English teachers, I think. I've never seen it in person. I assume that's what they do. You've been to my classroom. What if we're playing the long con? (laughs) I like that idea. Uh, Bring two book recommendations. Uh, Gentlemen, we have some rules to keep you on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. Omit needless words, Joe. Got it. And I will also omit all the needless words, which would otherwise just really kind of annoy you guys and pester you. Shut up. And rule number three, (laughs) only winning matters. I don't know anything about these books, and I can't imagine me really learning enough to pick a proper winner. So... It's Probably just going the, to come down to we giving win. up. What's up? What's Real going on here? Win. May the best salesman win. Uh, Joe, tell me what your book is about. All right, Nick. Pew, 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 pew. Nick, this oh, week wow. I brought a Western and not <laughs> just any Western, but it's one of those books that's <laughs> kind of like the Western. It's the got Western. cattle wrestlers, cattle rustlers, not wrestlers. wrestlers. I like the idea of a cattle wrestler, though. <laughs> It's got masked riders and horses, obviously, and shootouts and everything you would expect. But obviously. it also has surprising things like love stories and like long lost half sisters and like a lot of Mormons. 90% of the yeah. drama in this book is because of the Mormons. Yeah. Uh, this week, I brought Zane Gray's 1912 novel. Most Love people it. say it's his best novel Riders Ooh. on the Purple Sage. It's a good name. Okay. It's, yeah. it's a great name. It's very Jesus. Flowers of the Killer Moon, isn't it? Mm, well, I think I mean, well, this came probably, first, is the thing. Probably where Flowers of the Killer right. Moon got it, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it's actually not Flowers of the Killer Moon, it's Killers of the Flower Moon, but whatever. <laughs> well, uh, killer, <laughs> killing flowers of the moon. I love the um, idea of Flowers on the Killer Moon. That's a totally <laughs> different, like, that's a space <laughs> Absolutely. Opera. <laughs> Okay, so a couple of points, Joe. Your book came out at the same year that uh, Arizona came out. Mm-hmm. 1912. Congratulations, Zane Gray. Congratulations, Arizona. Oh. Very nice. Very nice. Wow. Um, I, I'm, Where does this I'm, take I'm place, really... Joe? Where does this take place? It takes place on the Utah-Arizona border. <laughs> it straddles oh. the border. Wow. It's like the horse's like left legs are mm-hmm. Yeah, the entire the... time. Like they yeah. have to stand in both. Like anytime you yep. go to a state crossing, like cowboys are just like, oh, cars, now I'm in Arizona. That's now stupid. I'm in Utah. Now Very I'm in Arizona. Dumb. Now I'm in Utah. Very dumb. Ian, what's your book about? A trigger happy Vietnam vet. Oh, no. A more polygamous guns. Jack Mormon river guide. A grad student who yearns for adventure. A philosophical servant, surgeon suffocated by modern society. These four make up the monkey wrench gang. A squabbling band of eco saboteurs wreaking hack, havoc across the 1970s American Southwest. From blowing up trains to melting bridges, the members of the gang have their hands full, staying one step ahead of the law and their consciences. This is fiction. It was published in 1975. It's 350 unputdownable pages. I like the announcement of fiction versus nonfiction. I think well, that okay. needs to be a new <laughs> announcement that's added. I think so. My, my author this week, Edward Abbey, wrote, um, I've previously brought some of his work to the podcast, Desert Solitaire, and that is nonfiction. So um, it's important to emphasize this is not real. This is fake. Fiction. Mm, fiction. fake and a it's lie. a lie. Uh, Ian, and where does your book take place? Uh, Arizona. Okay. And uh, don't say Arab, Utah. Um, middle Arizona and Northern Arizona and Utah. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Arizona just can't quit Utah. You know, the, those territories out there, they were all like, they, they all mm. kind of stepped on each other. I think like they okay. were just kind of big amorphous land masses for a long time. 
All right. Uh, Ian, when did your book come out? 1975. 75. Okay. A little bit later in life, though. Yeah. Um, yeah let's start with Joe's because, because it came out first. Yeah. yeah. Lay that foundation. That makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes sense. All Joe, right. are you going to talk? Are you going to talk about Mormons? I'm going to. I'm going to talk a bit about Mormons. Yes, I have some things to say about Mormons. Okay, I got okay. some things to say about Mormons. <laughs> we <laughs> so all Joe lets have some chest. things to say about um, LDS. All right. <laughs> I brought a cowboy book this week. I'm super excited. Yeehaw. Zane Gray. So Zane Gray is a name that's been on my radar forever. And it's like this name that's been like synonymous with Western synonymous with kind of like pulpy Westerns. He wrote like 90 books in his life. They weren't all one of those guys. Yeah. They weren't all cowboy books. He wrote books about like his fishing expeditions and other stuff like that. But it was, it was like mostly cowboy stuff. Um, this book, Riders on the Purple Sage, this is the book that like kind of percolates up to the top where people are like, oh, yeah, Zane Gray's got a whole bunch of books. But if you're going to read one, it, like this is probably this is the one this is the one yep. that you probably should read. Zane Gray was a dentist, <laughs> which I just love. <laughs> what? He was a dentist from Ohio. Oh, that sounds wow. like the kind of thing you would. That's like, that sounds like the kind of thing that would be be uh, the wrong answer on a multiple choice no. question, a multiple choice test about his, his life. Yeah, Zane Gray was a, a wrestler. Also, I'm sorry. Can we just pause to talk about what dentistry was in 1912 in Ohio? I think. I think they had, they strapped you down, and then tapped on your teeth with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> modern <laughs> terms, modern <laughs> terms, we would call him like a construction worker. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my hammer and a lot of lithium. Yeah. When I was reading about his education, it was kind of it was a little bit spotty. Where like he like went through high school, and then he had like some university schooling, and he studied like a lot of literature in school, and then he left school and became a dentist. So I, I the, would, the 1800s then. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is, I mean, this would have been like late 1800s. Yes, Oof. absolutely. Um, one, one fact that's been kicking around my mind is you can go see, if you would like to see the home of Dwight and Mamie Eisenhower, the home that they lived in when they died, it's perfectly preserved. It's like a presidential museum, mm. right? And on Dwight Eisenhower's bed stand um, is this okay. book propped open to the page that he was on, like where it where it was, was Riders on the Purple sta- Sage, hmm. Zangre. And I always love the idea of like the president of the United States, like the guy with the nuclear briefcase reading cowboy Western books because oh. it feels dangerous is um, what it feels like. So he was popular. Yeah. Yeah. He was super popular. But in like a... Uh, like a popcorny sort of way. Mm. So I'm trying to think of like a uh, is he, is he the the James Patterson? Yeah, like the Dean Koontz of his day or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Where I'm gonna write a bunch of books about cowboys because people love cowboys. Now we just say like I'm gonna write a bunch of books about terrorists and espionage because people love terrorists and espionage. Um, not, I don't, Joe. Well, people like reading about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, reading about it. What? Uh... Okay, so this is kind of like popcorny Western. I assume then it's like a fun read, but it's also like deeply flawed and like there's no depth to it. Is that the idea? So I think one of the reasons that this book, I'll, I'll kind of set the plot for you a little okay, bit plot because the out. plot is the sort of thing that you might expect from this. Hang on, let me, let's let's try and just do a little game where we try and guess it. So oh, I'll no. guess part of it, and then okay. so I'm gonna guess that there are people who do some 
writing. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are. There are. Ian, you get a point. There's writing. We need in this more book. information before we can start speculating. We okay. need some. Introduce the characters for us. Yeah, yeah, the, okay, I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Does the purple sage? Does it? symbolize cowboys or does it symbolize mormons mm, oh good question it's kind Thank of you. everywhere oh, this is a good the purple ge- sage is like everywhere and um, it's like this kind of difficult terrain that the cowboys have to navigate so put on the spot i would say it probably symbolizes the mormons kind of like the flower moon mm-hmm. well yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just like that <laughs> yeah all right jane witherstein uh we meet right away jane witherstein is a wealthy land owner her father was a very wealthy man of course um, they have a huge ranch the witherstein ranch thousands and thousands of acres wow. thousands and thousands of cattle which is good good for jane witherstein she's doing well she is prosperous good for her jane witherstein is a mormon and she's part of the mormon community her father was like a big muckety buck in the mormon community she is unmarried, but she's been dating, seeing a Gentile, um, oh, just a guy. Okay. Yeah. Forbidden? Forbidden love. Yes. Yeah. Forbidden and love. the local Baby. Mormon authority does not appreciate it. They're super afraid that if Jane more that if Jane uh, marries this <laughs> Jane Gentile, Mormon. Jane Witherstein, if she marries this Gentile, that all of this land and this cattle and oh, this yeah. wealth is going to like fall out of their hands like is going to like no longer be oh. part of what they have so they're not they're not concerned for her immortal soul they're concerned for her mortal cattle yeah i mean it's kind of both like they're like <laughs> they are concerned for her immortal who's, soul who's they at least again uh, the, the church the local like literally the local mormon government uh like the the local elders and things like that like wait so she's mormon up, she's mormon she is mormon yes her okay. dad was a and she's muck. yeah and married gentile got it mm-hmm. evil yep. evil gentiles boy i bet she still does it anyway <laughs> well so the this book the first chapter of this book is a killer opening because what the what this posse has done is they've shown up they're like hey we don't like this Gentile guy. We are going to capture him um, yeah. from your house. We are going to bring him into the desert. And since he won't stop seeing a good, pious Mormon woman, we are going to whip him within an inch of his life. And we're going to leave him oh. in the desert. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's They're not going to kill him. though. That's nice. Not gonna, No, not going to kill him. It's a point of conversation. They're like, we're not going to kill him. We're just going to whip him and leave him in the desert. Mm-hmm. And then... Be what will. It's mercy, really. It's mercy. Does this book read really fast, Joe? Parts of it read extremely quickly. And then there's a lot of purple sage stuff in between. (laughs) The writing is amazing. The purple sage, not so much. (laughs) But Nick, just in a nick of time, on Mm. the horizon, a lone rider appears. A lone rider appears. He comes in. the lone ranger. Is it Zorro? Tony Stark. No, it's it's a cowboy. It's oh, a it's cowboy. a cowboy. Um, he shows up. He breaks up the posse. Um, and, well, chaos kind of ensues Get from back, there Mormons. Um, yeah, yeah, get away, Mormons. And the Mormons are like, this isn't Does Dover. he kill anybody? Is there killing in this? Or is it oh, like yeah. anti-killing? No, no, no. I want to be totally clear. Yeah. There is killing in this book. Okay. If you want a body count, this is the right place to cut. Yeah. Like, like there's not like a crazy amount right. of killing in this book. But there's like a, there's the amount of killing you would expect in this book. Does anybody know about this? How are the Mormons viewed 
back then versus now because i don't i think it was way yeah, less oh, stanley oh. cups i think ian and i probably <laughs> both have things to say about this. yes yeah we do okay. Joe, like what, do you, okay. what do you have to say about this go ahead so i want to talk just for a minute about the utah war um this is never heard of it yeah it's it's kind of a thing in in american history that doesn't get talked about very much so in the 1800s um the mormons were, were persecuted right like basically anywhere that they tried to settle um people they bullied them they they felt they felt um disrespected that's not that's not a strong enough word i don't exactly know and the mormon the community basically was like forget this you guys all suck we're going out west and we're going to build our own community and we're going to do mm-hmm. what we want. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. went to Utah. They settled in mm-hmm. Utah. Uh, and then and they, they found them in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> they settled in the Utah Territory. This is before Utah became a state. This is what, what year? What year is this? This is 18. I might have it here. This is like 18. I actually think it's like just before the Civil War, 1850s, I want to say. 1857 through 1858. It's a short one. It's, it's, well, it's a little guy. Amateur numbers. Now our wars are 20 years long. <laughs> so the Mormons move, move to Utah. They're doing fine. They're prosperous. Everybody's leaving them alone. It's exactly what they want, right? And let's be specific that what they want is in part polygamy. Y- yeah, which is, which Ooh, becomes the church condemns polygamy point. now. The, the, mainstream, the mainstream LDS church condemns polygamy, but this is absolutely yeah. like, the polygamy times people leave the people leave the mormons alone until uh the california gold rush gold is discovered in california and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of people are very interested in getting from the eastern united states to the western united states and a whole bunch of people start like going through utah like like caravans start going through trains start going through and conflict ensues there's some fighting there's some like caravan raiding some things like that um you Mm. know the the mormon community doesn't like all of the settlers coming across and like disrespecting their land and Mm -hmm. driving through their crops and killing their fields yeah and um the settlers don't like that the mormons like shoot at them and start their (laughs) caravans on fire and stuff like that james buchanan wants to put a stop to it and he sends 2,500 troops to Utah to replace Brigham Young as the governor. Oh, so he's rocking it now, right? Uh, Brigham Young is still yeah. alive. Brigham Young, he's he's alive. He's the governor of the Utah Territory. And James Buchanan is like, this is ridiculous. We need our man, like our own man in control over there. We are appointing a different governor and we are sending a, an army. Like we are sending an army to enforce mm-hmm. that. Yep. So he's trying to coup. He's trying to coup it. So he sent a bunch of troops over there and like they there was a fight like this is something that we never get taught in American history, at least certainly not in high school. Like at a certain point, the U.S. government, like the U.S. military invaded Utah and was met by Mormon resistance. Like there were skirmishes, there was guerrilla warfare, there were like caravans burned, there was cattle captured and the U.S. government eventually like instated their own their own guy. There's a great diary entry from Brigham Young. Um, he says, he says, the feeling of mobocracy is rife in the state. The constant cry is kill the Mormons. Well, let them try it, he says, oh, which wow. is a pretty badass thing for a religious leader. To that say. is badass. You know, when you say religious and based on everything that you've said before that in the last 10 minutes, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like they're very like morally um 
following any sort of like traditional what we understand as like religious seems like they're just kind of like a ragtag group of of horny dudes that like to yeah. shoot at things so i can't speak to this everything i know about mormonism everything i know about lds is from the book of mormon so i <laughs> i know the songs okay. i know i know a little bit of the story and, right and yeah i can't yeah. speak to it that's where i get my two let me just you know um just point out here as i google this uh and, and potentially a reason why it's not taught in schools is only 150 people died so i mean it's not even that many that's like nothing almost that many people die in my book joe i have a question when you understood that oh this is now a cowboy book Right. Yes. That was the that, that was my that, initial understanding. That, like when that's I what I'm getting book, into. Right. I was bringing a cowboy book. Okay. Did it live up to what you want a cowboy book to be in your head? Ooh, excellent. Oh. Like the, the platonic ideal of the cowboy book. Does I this do it. what a cowboy book ought to do? As a as a white man with a very yes. boring life, did yes. this but allow but, you to live a big beard, a good mm. fantasy? A boring life, but a big beard. This is a great question because I cowboy books are kind of a genre that have disappeared. Like we don't really get new cowboy books. We have that said, we brought some cowboy books to this show before, but like there are chapters in this that absolutely are what you want to see. Like a lone Mm. rider shows up on the horizon and scares off a posse who's about to pretty good. That's pretty good trope. Yeah. That's what you want to see, right? Like a final standoff with like one man versus insurmountable odds in which right. the one mm-hmm. man's like grit and valor and gumption yeah. like overcomes them. This is unforgiven. This is not Blood Meridian. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this <laughs> it, it is a it is a room. And, and what you're asking about, like when we talk about Blood Meridian, we're talking about like <laughs> what it was actually like <laughs> cowboy book. No, this is. Capital R romance cowboy book. Yeah, okay, like cool. it mm-hmm. idealizes I mean, the cowboy cool. lifestyle. It idealizes the American West. Like that is absolutely what this book is. I just got one bullet left. <laughs> yes. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah, Jane, I was I was gonna kill this posse, but I just love you too much to do it. <laughs> okay, and so Jane this is male soap do opera. Do it, Lassiter. And he's like, Okay, I will. <laughs> this is a you. cowboy soap opera. Joe, what are the horses' names? I think this is an important question oh my god hang on I, hang on hang on hang mm-hmm. on sorry yes you're saying cowboy soap opera that's too clunky let's come up with you know like we say space opera to refer to a soap uh-huh. opera that's okay. set in space a boy opera that's less words nah, i don't think so what about like uh like a cactus cactus opera cactus opera um no that's not no, good that at all stupid. that was terrible no okay it's stupid uh space opera so that's yeah. where it is so how about yeah. desert opera Mm-hmm. Desert mm-hmm. sand opera, mm-hmm. a sopra. I think we sopra. should just we got it. put a we pin it, in this guys. one. Keep coming back to it for the rest of our lives. Nick, you asked me what the horse names are. Let's get back to that, Joe. Thank you. I can't. You don't quite remember. You don't remember. They're amazing them. horse names. One is named like Midnight. Um, so, so Jane, it, she's got many horses, but she has some prize racing horses as well. And um, Jane is a great cowboy girl name. Back, you know, like Jane, like yeah, Clementine no. Jane. There, mm-hmm. I've got it right here. Okay. The two prize horses are both are pitch black. One is mm-hmm. named Black Star. The other is named Knight. Night. I was going to say Night Rider. Rider. Yeah, okay. Yep. Joe, you kind of left us hanging with this plot. Okay, so we have this scenario in which um, 
these this evil Gentile is trying to um, yeah. seduce a beautiful, um, uh, you know, promising young Mormon woman. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and uh, she uh, is beautiful. Nick. Okay. You not that yourself, but she is absolutely beautiful. It is yeah, it goes many times. Saying, I think, yes, right? many times. Yeah. So what happens is basically, basically the conflict in this book is. The Mormon church shows up and they said, hey, you super can't marry that Gentile. Mm-hmm. Um, Lassiter, our cowboy who has come to the rescue. Lassiter, by the way, is n- the cowboy is not the Gentile that she wants to marry. Lassiter is the lone cowboy. He doesn't have time for love in his life. Ian, um, just as we're going, just keep making connections to Romeo and Juliet for us. So who's Lassiter? Of course. Is that uh, mm-hmm. Mercutio? I would say Lassiter. <laughs> Lassiter is probably, Mer- yeah, Mercutio. Yeah, Mercutio. Mercutio. Italian? Yeah. So- yeah. 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 Oh, very Italian. Very Italian. <laughs> incredibly Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a pie. He can be described as incredibly Italian. <laughs> he shows up and Lassiter breaks. rolls up with, <laughs> with meatballs in each cheek. I'm done. I'm sorry. Lassiter shows up He breaks up the posse And the Mormons basically leave it Saying essentially This isn't over yet Like you haven't seen the last of us Right That kicks off the plot What basically happens from there on Is the Mormons exert political pressure On the ranch So they do things where they're like Hey, Jane, you have a huge ranch and you have all sorts of riders that have to like look after your cattle and make sure that they don't get rustled and protect them. Well, all those riders, they're Mormons and they are not allowed to work for you anymore. So what you have now, Jane, is a big ranch that you cannot manage. What are you going to do? What is a girl going to do? What's a girl going to do? Maybe train the oh, I, let me guess. Let's train guess. the cows to take care of themselves. Mm, yeah, no, that's not going to work. I, yeah. This lone rider is definitely coming in to help. Oh yeah, Nick. This lone rider volunteers to help her because he doesn't care what the local Mormon church thinks. He hates the Mormons, yeah. right? Oh, he hates them. So it's not just like he doesn't care. He he actively oh, dislikes yeah. them. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention about him, he's on a mission. He's been wronged by Mormons oh, in the past, oh, and he has, oh he has a mission. Is he trying to do like a religious genocide thing? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly less, um, uh, it's a slightly less overarching mission. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but there is like, some genocide. I can manage this ranch, and he kind of does. Like, he kind of like is able to like keep the cattle. What the cattle don't matter so much. The lone rider helps, right? This is the most basic story ever. It, it is like, and then like pieces of it go missing. There's like, when do they find the gold? There is gold in this yeah, book. Nick, how did you know there was gold? Of course, in there's, this gold. Book? Of course there's gold. In this book. If this yeah. book didn't have gold, I would I would end this podcast right now. No, there's a chapter that's just called gold. Like the title of the chapter is gold. <laughs> I like that there's chapters. With, mm-hmm. I don't know, just kind of like very straightforward title names. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Like the girl gets away. <laughs> yes, yes. That's like you have the theme. Of, you have the tone of this book exactly. Okay. So that's it. We, we could talk more about the plot, but basically, it is a capital R romantic, capital A adventure plot. I think the thing that elevates this book is probably the last like thing that's worth talking about here is there's a lot of like dime store westerns. There's a lot of um there's a lot of like pulp westerns. I think one of the reasons that people say this is the one you've got to read is because I think it transcends a little bit. Like there are a pair of pretty convincing romantic plots in this book, right? Like where it's like, "Oh, there's love stories in this book." 
there is a mystery at the center of this book. Like not everybody is quite who they seem. There's behind the scenes machinations for the reader to discover. There's moments that make you feel really, really smart as a reader when you're like, you figure out somebody's secret identity before like it's told to you. You're like, oh. Mm. So like there's great little, there's great reader payoff in this book. There's a lot to grab onto. Yeah, there's the cowboy stuff but there's also the romance and there's also the mystery. Yeah. I mean, does it work? Do you, did you like it? Like as, as I assume this is a fun read and how long is it long? Yeah, but it was a little long for what it was. It was like 320 pages. Um, That's that bad. No, it's not terrible. Um, is it a fun read? There's parts of it that were super fun. Like parts of it. That I would were say like for shooting. shooting yeah. 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 Ian, tell us about your book. Is it a good one? <laughs> My book is also has Mormons in it, but um, well, and, and there are good Mormons and bad Mormons. Should we change uh, the theme in, this week? To my book, Mormon week, <laughs> secret, Happy Mormon. Birthday, Happy Mormon. secret Mormons. <laughs> Very exciting. No, my book is my book is really about eco terrorism, and when I say it's about eco <laughs> eco terrorism, yeah. eco sabotage, oh, wow. it's not so much like. Um, it's responding to a trend of eco-sabotage, eco-terrorism. This book inaugurated uh, oh. some sort of eco-sabotage movements. Like the Lorax. Inspired. Um, I would consider the Lorax maybe Secret Lorax week. <laughs> eco-sabotage. <laughs> Secret Lorax week. I think, to be fair, I think eco-sabotage is probably the most admirable form of sabotage eco-terrorism probably the most admirable form of terrorism yeah yeah Yeah, i remember reading an article when i was in high school about this group called um i think they were called the earth liberation front elf Mm -hmm. and they would do things at the time like these were like big gas guzzlers that uh, that were were the cars they would go and just like burn all of the suvs on a car lot oh my god right yeah. Right. Well, people still people still do this. Like, um, uh, that's, people that's real terrorism. That's real terrorism. People post on social media about like, I came back to find all the air let out of my tires and a, a slip on my windshield saying, "Hey, try buying a smaller car." Um, <laughs> and the ace of spades stabbed into my car door. <laughs> oh my! Goodness. There was there was a time I think between 1980 and 2000 when there was a lot more of this kind of thing. And it worked, and it all worked. That's all the worked. great part about it. Go paradise. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this book. What's your book? This about? book. It comes out in 1975, and it's had this pretty enormous impact. And part of that is because of how good the book is. So, it follows four people who like nature, who like specifically the American Southwest, and they 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 take a a river trip down. Uh, the Colorado River together, um, sort of by accident, they're sort of thrown together and they get to talking about how much they hate what's happening in the Southwest mining and road building and logging and all this kind of extractive stuff. And so from there, sort of twin motivations, twin drives, there's like love for the place and hatred of what's happening to it. They just decide they're going to start, you know, driving bulldozers into reservoirs and watching them explode. They're going to start blowing up automatic train tracks that bring coal to a power plant from a a strip mining operation. They're going to wreck. They're just going to just devastate some logging um, operations. They're going to fuck some shit up. 
They are. Excuse and, Joe's yeah. language. Well, and they do. Um, <laughs> that's is, this is, this is like, um, it is just, just, just four passionate people. What year is this? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's written in, it's published in 75. Okay. Um, it, it takes place between, so like our, one of our main characters is, um, he was a green beret in Vietnam and, um, he's back from Vietnam. It takes place between like 72 or so and, and the present day for when it was published it's a romp it is it's, it's hilarious oh it sounds like it's fun. a terrorist romp it's well this is okay so this is the thing i want to talk about characters but i also want to talk about the humor so okay maybe the characters are a great a place to start these are four very different people in my 30 seconds which i t- you know, i'm sure you remember clearly i do not um, yes, word i, I talked to you so so there's the, the there's the vietnam vet he's he's like kind of the the um, you can, it's also useful to think of this as a D&D the party. The so guy. He, Love this. Uh, <laughs> so so it's, it's kind of a D&D party. The Vietnam vet is like your warrior. Yeah. He's got weapon skills. He's your tank. Um, he's he, always he, carrying he, a gun. He's the damage absorber. Yeah. You've got, yes, you've got, um, uh, his name is, his name is George Hayduke. Mm-hmm. Um, names don't matter, but I'll tell you them anyway. Um, the ranger who mm-hmm. knows the country, um, oh, good at tracking. Yeah. His name is, his name is seldom seen Smith. That's a nickname. That's a cool uh, but name. he's named that because um, his three wives don't really see him that much because he's always. Out. Oh, I thought it was going to be like he's so sneaky or nope. like he only shows up. <laughs> nope. A, nope, he's a terrible nope. husband. <laughs> nope, his uh, his three wives don't see him very frequently because he's always out on the river. He has three wives. He is a Mormon. Is he a Mormon? Well, what's going no. on? He's no, no, no. He's a Jack Mormon. He's a Jack Mormon. He, he's Whoa, what's a Jack wait, Mormon? what is that? Is that when they have a white tail? This is like people Born? when they're like, I'm a I'm a social liberal, but a conservative Democrat. What, what? Uh, <laughs> is his name it's Jack? More like, it's more like people who... It's more like people who are cultural Catholics. It's like, yeah, I was born in the Catholic Church, whatever, but I don't really do the Catholic stuff anymore. So oh, the right. Jack Mormon oh. the Jack Mormon is, is a Mormon who's like, yes, I am... I'm culturally Mormon, but I'm yeah, not religiously was, Mormon. Joe, you're a Jack Farmer. Well, do, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely, okay. I'm, I'm absolutely. That's good. A farmer, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really good. So, um, seldom seen Smith is the ranger. Um, the medic or the the uh, cleric is um, a doctor uh, from from Albuquerque. His name is Doctor Sarvis, and he is the oldest. And he's also kind of the voice of reason. And then we have somebody who's kind of a kind a of a bar, kind of. A, <laughs> Yeah, kind of. And then we've got sort of a sort of a sort of a bard, sort of a rogue uh, whose name is Bonnie. And the four of these people. Nick, I also think it was funny. I don't think it was as funny as you did. I really want to play d and I haven't played it so with, long. With these four characters. Yeah, this would be good. So they all have a shared love of the area and a shared hatred of like what's happening to it but their approaches to the world their ideas about the world what they need to do how far they need to go kind of where their where their their uh, threshold is are very very different so the green beret is like i would like to shoot some people please <laughs> and the others are like no 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 we're not shooting people can i blow them up no you can't blow them up can i blow up their tractors yes blow up their tractors can i cast thunder wave uh <laughs> So each of these characters has different motivations. Uh, some of them are doing it because they doing the, the eco eco sabotage because they want to have adventure. Others are doing it because they believe it's like morally right. Others have like anger inside. That's so strange that they've come together with completely. Uh, how, did, how did this group come together then if they have completely different backgrounds and motivations and goals? 
Well, that's that's the they met in the tavern. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't catch it. What happened? <laughs> I, I I said they met in a tavern when a dwarf showed up with a mysterious quest. <laughs> So what's the what's the most damage they do? Like how serious does this get, Ian? They try to blow up. Sorry, sort of melt a bridge with thermite. Um, is that a, is that a casting spell? <laughs> <laughs> I cast thermite. No, um, <laughs> I, I think the equivalent to thermite in D and D world would be like firebolt. Okay, so they cast firebolt. <laughs> they cast firebolt, mm-hmm. and it's uh, they kind of roll. They they don't they don't roll a twenty. Let's just say it that okay, way. Okay, got it. Um, they have big plans. They they have this plan kind of throughout the book to build to to fill houseboats with explosives and sink them by a dam and then detonate them and block the dam they don't like they have big plans um they do a lot of they blow up some trains they blow up they blow up uh some uh yeah do they accidentally kill somebody almost certainly so this is a this is the thing like this book i keep expecting somebody to die Mm -hmm. but maybe this is a spoiler I don't think anybody dies. Nobody wow. dies in your book. Nobody dies. Only in and Arizona. So one of the big one of the big questions that this that the monkey monkey wrench gang kind of wrestles with is like, at what point is it okay to like to shoot at people or mm, right. when is some collateral damage okay? There's a really really powerful moment when they're about to do an act of pretty major sabotage that they've planned out. It's very like complex. They were told that there would be no people around, and then they there is a person, of course. And and the, what do they do? And the the quandary doesn't just hit the sort of soft-hearted version members of the bunch. It's everyone. Everyone's like, we were told, we thought, our intel said there would be no humans around, and here's a human. How do we proceed? Do we go ahead? Do we do we like take a take a life? Or do we stop? These people are psychotic. This is a big part of it. They are all, they're all like messed up in one way or another. They're like, I say they have different motivations, same goal, different motivations. Their motivations are are out of whack. Like these are not normal people. But I think that one of the points of the book is the stuff that's happening is not normal. And you need to be sort of abnormal in order to effectively fight the stuff we see around us well so it's it's interesting because it's like it's abnormal people right and it's like okay these people are broken in a certain way which is what allows them to do this but they are united with this like shared ideology so it's like it's even though it's like okay i mean it's kind of like ends justifies means sort of thing you know a hundred percent but i think i think and this is the gamble that abby the author makes he presents them as broken he also presents them as like their goal is just and his yeah. gamble is that we will we will be okay with the brokenness with the messed up stuff um and even even we might find it romantic and cool and, and rad because it has this noble goal and he's he's banking that we will find the goal to be noble can can, can i pause you right here ian because i just want to say that just from your description here I find this romantic and cool and rad. Yeah. Like everything yeah. you're talking about, I'm like, that's so admirable. Like, I think yeah. that's such a cool thing. Like, like sinking a, a boat and blowing up a dam because it, because of water rights that belong to corporations yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, blow up that dam. That's amazing. Yeah. 
I'll take counterpoint on this and say this is <laughs> this is this is not helping anything. This is not helping a goddamn thing. In fact, it's probably making things worse. Can you be more specific? Well, I bet I'm shocked that nobody died in this book. <laughs> well, it is fiction and a lie. Right. <laughs> right. So it's got to me, Joe. I think this is I think this is um this is the 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 question at bottom, like does it matter? Is, is it worth it? Do the ends, which are protection of natural space, justify the means? I think it's important to note that all of these characters are from this area and a big part of who they are is wrapped up in the beauty of the Arizona and Utah and New Mexico landscape. So because they are sort of in love with this place, it, they are able to to say for themselves, yes, protecting this um, preserving this this beauty is worth it. Strikes me as a book where you can't really tell us how this thing ends. I bet it. Oh, absolutely not. One, th- I will not. <laughs> is this just like sitting with your characters for like the whole book, and then it kind of like comes to a head at the end? On the one hand, this is a really dramatic, well written story. There are cha- there are so many chase scenes because what they do is they blow something up, and in the desert, if you blow something up, um, it's very very obvious um, yeah, because of echoes and because of. Yeah. And so pretty much when they blow something up, when they drive uh, a bulldozer into Lake Powell and it explodes, people come after them. Um, There's a ton of suspense. um, And then like they do something, the cops start sniffing around and it's always like, how are they going to get out of this one? There is a lot of suspense, but at the same time, so it is, it is, yes, it is a romp. It's dramatic, but it's also super, super funny. So this is not easy to talk about obviously because you know we we can't talk about humor but like there is there is this like abby is so into words there's just wordplay galore he's like viciously ironic there are pieces there are pieces of this that you're just like they're just they're just absurd there's just silly pieces there's just there's there's it's it's funny in a way that you don't expect is it a character character story it is so these four characters and kind of their unique um their unique alchemy is what produces the 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 page turning nature of this like a good D campaign it's not about <laughs> it's not about you know the quests you complete or the the, the friends you the made bosses along the you defeat yeah it's about the friends you made along the way it's about Friend. the shenanigans it's like it's about the time you know like when you when you're playing D with a group of people you like and you're in a in a bind and someone says you know, what if we bewitch that gargoyle over there? And it turns into this whole thing. It's an inside joke. That's what this book does. This book says, let's put these four well-drawn, interesting, kind of gross, kind of stupid, kind of bad characters in new situations and let's see what happens. And the the result is powerful, hilarious, dramatic, and really, really hard to put down. Gentlemen, welcome to Tiffany's, a safe place for you to tell me all the terrible things about your book without it being held against you because do you guys still want to win? 
Joe doesn't really give a shit anymore. No, I can't. I no, care I can so tell much. by your face, Joe. You don't really well, care. A, a fox ran past my window, so I'm. Oh I've been watching him. By fox. I've been watching, watching son astutely. of a gun. Otis is also watching out the window. I think he saw him too because we're both staring out the window right now. Very hard. Uh, very rare to see a fox. Kind of like very an owl. Very rare to yeah. see a fox. I've, I haven't seen a fox in like eight years. Wow, eight years, Joe. You're a lucky guy, yeah. Joe. Yeah. What did you hate about your book? Okay. Um, Nick, my Tiffany's might be the most damning Tiffany's I've ever brought. Oh, no, but I guy's so, a racist for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no, I swear to God, I didn't know until the book was over. Is this secret Hitler? Did Hitler write your book, Joe? <laughs> no, this isn't a secret Hitler book. It's not a secret Nazi book. It's okay. a secret. This is a secret Utah book. Um, my book was not about Arizona. My book was absolutely set in Utah the entire time. So, so, the, so the way I chose this book is I Googled books set in Arizona and this book came up and I'm like, all right, yeah. here we go. And then it started and there was a lot of Mormons and they kept talking about like being on the border. And I'm like, they okay, they must be on. They're in Utah right okay, now. Definitely. Enough. But they're going to go into Arizona like that. Like this book is going to move into Arizona. Joe's reading this whole book, waiting for them to cross the border. Yes, 100%. I kept waiting for Arizona to happen in this book. And the chapter it title, never. should we go across the border? Yes. And it's them talking about, do they go across the border? And then at the end, they say, nah, let's stay here in Utah. This yeah, so I, I brought a Utah book. Okay. The word Arizona appears zero times in my book. The word Utah appears oh 45 God. times in my book. Oh, no. Hey, Joe, maybe when we do Utah week, you can bring an Arizona book. <laughs> Arizona <laughs> that would book. be as, as guy. Ian, what about you? Idaho or the, Kansas no. or? The ends justify that there's, there's tons of Arizona. I would even say most of my book is set in Arizona. So the ends in this book, the ends justify the means. But as I mentioned, these are anti-heroes. The means are pretty mean. So <laughs> if you're not, if you're not a fan of, of terrorism, these are not like squeaky clean, like perfect Mary Jane sort of um, self inserts. Like these are these are human beings who are messed up. Mm. So you know, if that's something that bothers you, don't read this book. Got it. Okay, more of a content warning than a bad thing about the book. Um, boy, I don't know. You've really put me in a pickle here, Joe. I I know. I would like to remind you that Tiffany's theoretically cannot be held against you. <laughs> it's true. a safe space. You you uh, put me in a position where I've been just overtly lied to and I have to dismiss it. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't know. I just think terrorism's bad mm. and Ian you lose. Oh, uh, wow. Cuz it never pay, it never choice. pays to blow things up. Bad choice. The book sounds good, but Ian you lose. Bloodheads, if you want to um Blow up our mentions on social media. Hey, oh. You can um, you can uh, head on over to uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the rest. The one, sorry, X, the ones that matter, ones that don't. We're on social media. You can find us on the web at www.tweenvogue.com. Still waiting on that cease and desist. Maybe it'll never come. Um, on our website, you can listen to old episodes, suggest themes for our episodes. Or suggest books for us to read. Um, you can also request stickers. And at some point, yes, I'm behind on that. At some point, I'll send out your stickers that you've requested. Most importantly, you can tell bookish friends about this podcast. If that's something that, if you like, if you like what we're doing here, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your countrymen, tell your enemies about uh, the three dorks talking about mostly, mostly books, but occasionally D and D. Sometimes Mormons. Your Joe, your book has been kind of widely condemned as. Pretty, pretty incentive. There's like two big anti-Mormon books. One of yeah. them is 
um, The Sign of Four by Conan Doyle, it's Sherlock Holmes book, and the mm-hmm. other is Purple Sage. Like yeah. these are the big, the big sort of insensitive to Mormon book. Oh. The Mormon, Mor- the Mormons books. in this book are like Russians were treated in '80s action movies. It's like <laughs> these are the unequivocally <laughs> bad guys. They are obviously the bad guys. I'm going to use shorthand for them. <laughs> this is when our lone black rider appears. <laughs> Elder. I repent my words, Jane faltered. The religion in her, the long habit of obedience, of humility, as well as agony of fear spoke in her voice. Spare the boy, she whispered. You can't save him now, replied Tull (laughs) stridently. Her head was bowing to the inevitable. She was grasping the truth when suddenly there came, in inward constriction, a hardening of gentle forces within her breast. Like a steel bar, it was stiffening all that had been soft and weak in her. She felt in a birth of her something new and unintelligible. Once more, her strained gaze sought the sage slopes. Jane Witherstein loved that wild and purple wilderness. In times of sorrow, it had been her strength. In happiness, its beauty was her continual delight. In her extremity, she found herself murmuring, Whence cometh my help? It was a prayer, as if forth from those lonely purple reaches and walls and red clefts and blue might ride a fearless man, neither creed-bound nor creed-mad, who would hold up a restraining hand in the faces of her ruthless people. The restless movement of Tull's men suddenly quieted down, then followed a low whisper, a rustle, a sharp examination. Look! said one, pointing to the west. A rider. Jane Witherstein wheeled and saw a horseman silhouetted against the western sky coming right out of the sage. He had ridden down far from the left as the golden glare of the sun had been unobserved until close at hand. An answer to her prayer. Do you know him? Does anyone know him? Questioned Tull hurriedly. His men looked and one by one they shook their heads. He's come from far, said another. That's a fine horse, said another. A strange rider. Huh, he wears a black leather, added the fourth. With waves of his hand and joining the side, its tall step forward in such a way that he concealed venters. The rider reined in his mount and with a lithe forward slipping action appeared to reach the ground in one long step. It was a peculiar movement in its quickness and inasmuch that while performing it, the rider did not swerve in the slightest from the square uh, front to the group before him. Look, hoarsely whispered one of Tell's companions. He packs two black-butted guns low down. They're hard to see, black akin them black chaps. A gunman, whispered another. Oh my God, this almost feels like Stephen King stole the stuff directly from this book. Oh my God, yeah, Black Rider shows up on the horizon riding out of the sun so they don't see him until the last possible second. It's good stuff. Sounds way better than Ian's book. Yeah, but super anti-Mormon, super racist Mormon, super oh. racist against Mormons. Boy, you really buried buried it there, Joe, didn't you? Yeah, just yeah. a liar, just a dirty <laughs> fucking liar. I, I, I apologize to the litheads. I tried to bring apologize an Arizona to Ian. book. Apologize to Ian. He thinks I he should have won for sure. I apologize to Ian. Ian, I'm sorry. I tried to bring an Arizona if book. I, if I I'd didn't pick book. you, Joe, mm-hmm. you'd think that I didn't pick you because... Tiffany's not a safe place. I would have questioned it is, the sanctity it is of a Tiffany's. Safe place, That's Ian. absolutely true. But now we know, Ian, don't we? We know that Joe's a liar. Okay. 